Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by Bend Active. Guys, if you are still looking for that perfect holiday gift, number one, I tell you to get on it because it's getting close. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's getting very close. Check out bendactive.com or if you're in the Columbus area, go to their store in Upper Arlington and pick something else. Got all sorts of cool stuff there. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter as well. Look, guys, this is a holiday version of the program here. Um, and it's a holiday version without a college football playoff game and a USC-Ohio State game that I think is going to have a little juice once we get past the Christmas holiday. I think once you get to the 26th, 27th, there will start to be a little bit of juice surrounding this game. But for now, it's pretty tepid. Um, do you, I was in Columbus today. You you obviously live down there, Johnny. Is there? Mm-hmm. Do you sense any juice for this game, or is it – to me, it's pretty flat. Yeah. I You know, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think that a lot of people are super hyped about it. I think – Maybe as we get closer to the game and after Christmas, I think people will start to go like, oh, crap, this is all we got left in the year to, to kind of enjoy. Yeah. So I think right. I think that will kind of raise the stakes a little bit after people stop being distracted by Christmas. I think that'll probably bump it up a little bit. Uh, I, they Somebody put on Slack today that I think the the high or the prediction in, in Dallas is like the low 40s and <laughs> might get some snow showers on the 29th. Oh, so, and it's freezing there. I mean, it was cold there that when they – when they did that, when they it was the uh, national champion, it was cold in January that week. Yeah. It was frigid, and the wind blows. I mean, it's di- forty there as you feel it. I mean, you right. really feel it, right? So I don't uh, know that people are super pumped about rolling down to Dallas uh, in late December to to check that out. But you know, again, like everything could change. I mean, people could get you know really excited again for football, and and just maybe yeah. the last time you see JT Barrett. So that's that. I think in of itself might be a bit of a draw. I don't, I just don't know how many people are actually going to make the trick down there. Um, yeah, I right. Mean, they I some difficulty selling their allotment, but other than that, I mean, you know, I, I still think it's going to be a fun game. I'm personally still pretty excited about it. Yeah, I love the matchup, and I think on the day of the game and in the couple of days leading up to it, I'll be excited for it. And um, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to Darnold against our defense and seeing how that goes. And as somebody who lives in the Cleveland area, I'm looking forward to see how Sam Darnold plays against a really good defense. <laughs> um, you know, because there's a lot of talk about him being number one overall, him or Rosen or however they end up going. I'm sure they'll screw it up. But, um, you know, they, they actually are in a position for the first time since Tim Couch to get exactly who they want at quarterback. Right. Um, you know, so that, that'll that be fun to watch. And I look forward to kind of getting a look at that. Um, but in lieu of that, and we'll, we'll you know, next week we will do the, the big game preview of, of Ohio State USC. And we'll have some guests on to, to get you jacked up for that. But in the meantime, um, this is kind of like the last show of the year because that is the the next week will be the game preview show. So this show, I thought we could talk about, you know, the big stories of the year um, on the site and in the Ohio State athletics community and in college football, college basketball in general, and just some of the big things that happened this year. And I, as I was thinking of, of this year in review, uh, for lack of a better term, the story that jumped out to me as the one that was the most shocking at the time that it happened was the Thad Mata firing. Um, And the way it happened, it was just crazy. It was much like Trestle, except without the scandal. Um, But just like all of a sudden in May, it was decided that Thad Mata wasn't going to coach Ohio State basketball anymore. And then Gene Smith goes on this whirlwind tour to find a coach. And if you remember, Johnny, that, you know, it was Billy Donovan and there were all these huge names that were rumored for it. And there was, I was hypothesizing that he clearly had a plan of the guy, and I will go to my grave saying that Chris Holtman was not his first choice. Not that right. it won't work out fine, and so far it looks like it maybe will, uh, but that he was not. When, when, when Thad Mata was let go, I will go to my grave believing that Gene had a guy that he was ready to hire quickly, and it was a big name. 
and that that for whatever reason fell apart and and it ended up the way that it did and you end up with Chris Holtman but I think as I'm watching the early part of this season the fact that and it's clearly was it looks like it's clearly the right move I mean this team is playing inspired they're playing um you know free they they seem to be enjoying themselves they're a fun watch um they're playing inspiring fun basketball it's it's a fun thing to watch and it was probably the right thing to do but if you go back to May, guys, and you think, yeah, Thad Mott is in the middle of May is going to be fired as the high State basketball coach, you have a tough time complete convincing anybody um, a year ago at this time that that was going to be the case. I don't – I mean, I, I don't think I was super shocked at it happening, but I will say that the way that it went down – Oh, the timing was crazy. The timing was really crazy. crazy. And I, that's to me what – I mean, if, if you're looking for an argument against maybe Gene having – or an argument for, rather, Gene having a replacement in mind, I mean, you would have to think that – when it happened would yeah. indicate that he had something in his pocket. Cause it, it was just really an inopportune time in general. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's to me, I think, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's one of the absolute biggest stories of the year. And that's probably the one that I thought maybe was the most interesting mm-hmm. because I think what I, you know, I enjoy talking about JT Barrett and where his place is in Ohio, Ohio state history and, and, you know, winning the big 10 championship and all that good stuff. But what really kind of fascinates me is how, um, these major college sports hires are completed and done just because it's so labyrinthian and all the all the ridiculous yeah. ins and outs that are related with it. You know, after following, you know, the Tennessee head coaching search and the ridiculousness right. that was involved with that, I mean, it, it boggles my mind to think about how something like that could go wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. But but watching it play out is just fascinating because it really is this hugely um, financially important decision hiring decision that plays out in real time in the public and i just i don't know it's cool to see how that works out or doesn't work out and you know i think there's some valid criticisms about how maybe it was handled but ultimately i'm I'm pretty happy with the holtman hire as well yeah and you know given some of the names that were out there it's it's interesting that he's the dude that they came up with but it, it's worked out it has and uh, you know i think as you watch you see the influence of scooney pen which was kind of like yes <laughs> you know, at the time felt like a, um, you know, that, that was something that Thad neglected, uh, that should have been done a long time ago. Scooney's been in town since 2011. Um, there's been ample opportunity for Thad to put him on staff. He wouldn't, he didn't. Scooney was interested. He let it known he was interested and Thad wouldn't put him on the staff and Scooney was around the program and he's a clear leader and he's a strong voice and you see it already, um, with the impact he's having on this team. I don't know if you saw the tweet from, I think it was Andy Katz over the weekend about you know one of the up-and-comers in the coaching business and a future head coach, Scooney Penn, is on the Ohio State staff. Right. Well, he's player development head now. But, I mean, that's just the start of this thing. Um, and, and you watch what he's going to do in recruiting for this team with all the talent in the state of Ohio. I mean, that, that's just a great side story to the Holtman hire. Um, but, the, but the mod of firing and the timing of it is just stunning. I mean, if, if, it was, if Thad was going to leave, he would have left after the season ended and you could have got Archie to do the job. That's who they would have wanted would have been their first choice but they blew that they missed that so all of a sudden in may you decide you're gonna you know fire thad mata so okay you did and and the end result may end up working out but that was a that was the most shocking story of the year i think the story that you know those of us um certainly those of you guys who are involved with the site on a daily basis and for for people who are really plugged in to me the most awesome story of the year was Kyle Snyder's continued just dominance in the world. (laughs) Um, I know that that isn't mainstream for a lot of people on the site probably. And it's, and I think I will say, I'll give a lot of credit um, to the way that the site handles wrestling because it has given it an enormous platform. 
and and the audience has responded. I mean, when I talk to the czar about it, the audience has responded to it. So that's awesome um, that there's a buy-in for it. But it also helps that we have the Jack Nicholas of wrestling in our midst. Right. So that's and you know he beats that <laughs> excuse me that Russian this summer, and he becomes you know the best pound for pound wrestler on the planet. Um, that is an incredible moment. Um, in, in Ohio history, Ohio state athletics history, certainly. But to me, I will always remember this year. And this isn't even an Olympic year, of course, um, where he won gold, but, um, you'll remember, I'll remember his continued dominance too. And, and that match, you know, against the Russian for the world, it was a world championship when he, you know, beat the guy who was the best pound for pound guy in the world until he decided he was going to be it. Yeah. I, I think that was, I mean, in terms of just sheer athletic you know, awe that you're watching this. You're just like looking at this and going, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, yeah. Ohio State, the, the thing that I really love about this story in general, not just Kyle Steiner, but I think Ohio State wrestling in general. And I, I mentioned this in that that kind of year-end reflection post that my favorite yeah, I saw it. did was the interview with Tom Ryan, um, mm-hmm. in part because it's an Ohio State coach and we we have not really gotten the opportunity to do that very often, especially with a sport like wrestling but also because of the passion that he had for just the entire yeah. team. And I was thinking back to like the NCAAs uh, in March and the, just the drama surrounding that, because it's not just that it's Ohio state and Ohio state's really good. It's that you have these really kind of regionalized epic teams that have been built out of the Midwest. And I just love the fact that you have this really huge clash uh, between some of the best wrestlers anyone's ever seen these really great programs that have been built in the last like 10 to 15 years. It's just a ton of drama in a sport that doesn't get a lot of attention. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they had the thing at the shot that they're going to do again in about a month uh, last year or earlier this year, rather. And they had like 15,000 people filling up the place. Tons of excitement. They were, you know, doing all these crazy like WWE intros. Like that's the stuff that I really, really love about college sports. And uh, it was fun. It's just fun as hell to watch this team. And and even when Kyle Snyder is gone, like they're going to continue to be a really entertaining watch. And I hope, I hope that this last couple of years is kind of the start of people coming around to that and realizing what they have in Columbus and Tom Ryan and the Ohio state wrestling program. Cause it's awesome. It's so much fun to follow those guys. Well, I think it is. Uh, first of all, it's a great wrestling state. I mean, the high school wrestling yes. in the state is very good. It's a great wrestling region uh, to pick from. You have the preeminent, wrestling program in the country that you share a border with at Penn State. Um, so there's a lot to like about it. Um, so I do think that the momentum will continue to grow for that sport. Uh, it fits us. You know, it fits Ohioans to be good yes. at wrestling. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a natural um, for us. So I, I think that it will continue to grow. And, and Tom's the guy to lead it clearly. And I, I'm with you. Um, I love that. That was a that was I, I told the great story about how great he was to me in my last days in Columbus, and I, I just always in, adored talking to him in person. It was a pleasure to have him on the show. And um, while while we think of, I love what you did on the post with all of the all the dubcasts we had, and I love the comments about Richard Lewis, where he basically talked for forty five minutes and didn't breathe. <laughs> yeah. um, but but there was but that was a good one, and the, the Kyle Snyder story is is one that you know you're going to remember that um, when you think back. On 2017, you're going to remember the continued dominance of Kyle Snyder, which we've talked about the two stories that I think to me, I remember most one is shocking and one is most fondly. Um, the The third thing is, is the Ohio State football season. OK, and so mm-hmm. with this, it's hard for me to. I think it's a microcosm for this season, because when I 
When I look back on the 2017 Ohio State football season, I think it is going to be largely forgettable um, mm. and largely anonymous in the pantheon of Buckeye seasons that you remember. I think it's one that happened, and you're going to remember, of course, J.K. Dobbins, you know, brilliance, and you're going to remember the Penn State comeback, and you're going to remember the just befuddling loss to Iowa, and you're <laughs> going to remember beating Michigan again, and, and you're going to have these things. But I don't know if any of them, and part of it is because we're so spoiled with Ohio State football and, and all of the mo- moments that it has provided over your lifetime, but I don't know if you're going to, if this is going to be a touchstone season. I, I tend to think that it won't be. Um, and I don't think anything that can happen against USC is going to change that. Um, I think it's more of a product of the expectations that Urban Meyer has set for the program and and what we expect as fans because of that. And so it was just, I, I mean, I enjoyed it at times. It was maddening at times, but I think for me at least, Johnny, I think it is going to be end up being a largely forgettable. There are a lot of great individual moments that will jump back, but I don't know if it's one that I'm going to recall um, you know, too fondly or too negatively. It's just one that just kind of happened, I think, right. as time goes on anonymously. Can I so let me ask you this, because I was kind yeah. of thinking about about that, just kind of reflecting on the end of the year. Like I think w- Part of it is a result of the expectations that we have for Ohio mm-hmm. State football. And, and that's always there. I mean, it, it doesn't matter really who's coach. I think Ohio State fans think that Ohio State should be a national title contender every year. But yeah. I guess I, was, I wanted to ask you, and this is what I'm thinking about. when What are the seasons, I guess, that you would say this is a completely satisfactory season that expectations were met. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching it. I'm not necessarily saying seasons that have to end in national titles, yeah. but like, this is a season that I really, really, really like met expectations and was, I'm going to remember for a long time. What, how okay, many so, of those seasons has Ohio State really had in the past 10? Yeah. Well, okay. So this is the tricky part. So the question you asked is different than the way that I'm view than I'm viewing this, but I'll answer your question. But the, the way I'm viewing this is memorable. Okay. Um, and so that's when I say anonymous, I don't mean that it's overly disappointing because if it was overly disappointing. You would sure as hell remember it, you sure. know, like you remember six and seven. Yeah, you, remember, yeah. you know, you're, that was a that was a memorable season for a negative way, but you remember it. Um, whereas this season, expectations, this was kind of what you thought this team could be, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't over they didn't they weren't better than we thought they would be, and they weren't demonstratively worse than we thought they would be. They kind of were who we thought they would be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know the expectation is to win a national championship, but I don't think anybody looking at this team thought, yeah, that's a national championship cap capable team. I think if you were objective, you didn't, um, to to answer your question, when I think of obviously the national championship season, you know, 2014, 15, the 2012 season was pure joy. The undefeated 2012 season was, was pure joy. And there are all sorts of moments, you know, from, from that season that you would look, look back upon very fondly. Um, probably, the two, even the 2013 season, um, the season that ends with the shocking loss at Michigan State, there are moments from that that you I mean that the thrilling win over Michigan in 2013 in the all white uniforms and um, the brilliance of Braxton Miller and then Carlos Hyde at full throat, you know the full, yeah. you know full Carlos Hyde right. in that season that you remember, um, and even 2015, uh, the tremendous disappointment of the loss to Michigan State. And you kind of traded the brilliance of that team of ultimate disappointment because it was probably the most talented team maybe that the school has ever produced. I mean, you could argue that. Um, So 
I think there's all sorts of moments, but this one to me can can will go down kind of anonymously. I don't I don't have any huge touchstone moments from it, John, I guess. So there are some that I can recall, and you can go back further. Um, you know, certainly the 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 Rose Bowl win with Pryor as a sophomore when he has that incredible game against Oregon in the Rose Bowl. And you and I they had the one loss. It was a weird, I forget what the loss they had the one loss that year, but that was it. But that was like the promise of things to come because that was the best game Terrell Pryor ever played. And you thought, well, we have him coming back and he's going to do that again. Um, and then, you know, we know what happened. But I mean, so there, there are some moments and I just don't know if this season will provide them. I guess it's a long way of answering your question, but that, that's kind of where I sit on it. Well, no, I mean, it's and I appreciate the answer, because honestly, like one of the things that I was just thinking about is when people are looking back at any season, really, what what does it need to be to be satisfactory, right? And to me, mm-hmm. I guess the answer to that is were your expectations at the beginning of the season met? Yeah. And did your expectations change during the season? So like I, I think a lot of people for for 2017, like I'm I'm pretty pretty happy overall with the season. I think if there hadn't been an yeah. insane loss to Iowa, I I I think I would have been <laughs> maybe a little yeah. bit more satisfied. But overall, like I it's pretty much where I expected Ohio State to be with who they had coming back and all that kind of stuff. But I I guess my point is that if you think about it, and I, I wonder about this and I, I hope people like in the comments, you know, talk about this or maybe send us an email. But um I'm curious about what seasons people have truly felt were satisfactory. And to me, like I would say that I think a lot of people would see them as few and far between. I think some people would say 2012, obviously, and and mm-hmm. you can be a little salty about the ineligibility towards the end, but they did go undefeated. I think 2009, definitely. I mean, with the Rose Bowl win against Oregon, I think that was really important. I think a lot of people would say even 2010, even though it's technically vacated. Um, but honestly, like I think some people will look back at 16, 17, even 15 and go, well, those are just years. And, and that to me yeah. is a little unfortunate because – the moments that occurred in some of these seasons, you know, especially in a season like, um, you know, 2012 and 2013, and you were talking about Carlos Hyde, but I'm thinking about like Kenny Guyton, some of the insane stuff that yeah. happened with that, which is honestly Kenny Guyton doing what he was doing to me, like made the entire season. Like when he was, when he filled in, that was hilarious to me. That's like my all time favorite thing. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wonder what the criteria that people have for a, a quote unquote successful season. Successful um, and memorable are two very different things. Yeah, and you're and right. Think, and you're absolutely right about that. And, and yeah. I, I sometimes I think people tend to confuse the two where they're just yeah, like, well, I agree. yeah, if they if they didn't win a national championship, then then I'm not going to re- remember it. It's not something that I care about. But that's not really how we absorb, I think, college football or college sports. No. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's a it is a fascinating one. And it's um, I, I think, unfortunately, the hiring of Urban Meyer and the national championship coming so quickly and the undefeated season coming in season one, I think that and what happened, what he does in recruiting, I think that almost negatively affects the fan base yeah. because you expect that always. And you expect what Saban does at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And that's just never happened in the history of college football. What Saban's done at Alabama, certainly not in a playoff you know, atmosphere where it's a, you know, you got to play and kind of win it on the field. So um, that's the that's the expectation. If, if that isn't achieved, then there's this tremendous disappointment. And look, Urban wouldn't have had any other way. But but that is a, I don't know if that's enjoyable from a fan perspective. And the best right. example I can give to this. So I, I grew up in Montana. I'll tell a quick story. I grew up a Lakers fan. Right. My 
basically you picked Lakers or Celtics. You grew up in Montana in the in the 80s <laughs> when I did. You picked one or the other, and that was it. You stuck with them. So I liked the Lakers, and that worked out very well for me. But I can obviously I can tell you that as I got older, the most some of the most enjoyable Lakers seasons were like in the mid 90s when they had Nick Van Exel right. and Anthony Peeler and Doug Christie and Cedric Sabalas. And they were like a four or five seed in the NCAA or in the NBA playoffs. And I think one year they got to, they knocked off the Sonics. And they got to the conference semifinals or something like that. And they made a little run because Nick Van Exel was great at that time. But the reason that was so enjoyable is because I had no expectations. Some of the least enjoyable seasons were the seasons with Shaq and Kobe, where if they didn't win a championship, it was like, God, what a blown year. <laughs> like, you just blew it. And, right. and the, I see that up here with the Cavaliers. Like if the Cavaliers don't win a championship, it's almost like, Wake me up when they play the Warriors. That's kind of the attitude up here. And it's like, in the meantime, you're, are you missing out on LeBron James on a daily basis? And I think that applies somewhat to the Ohio State football program. You know, like, all right, just wake me up when they play for a national title. You know what I mean? Like, right. make sure you're enjoying the excellence of this. National titles do not grow on trees, right? Ohio State's had two in, what, 40, 30, 40 years? 45 <laughs> years? Yeah, approximately, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not, this isn't, you don't have one every five years. It's not like that. You've got, you got two in 45 years. So th they're hard to come. Michigan's won one in 60 years. Like they're hard to come by, you know? So I hope that the, 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 the enjoyment for the season, I think this is an interesting tangent we've, we've ended up on, Yeah. but I hope that, and it, that you can enjoy a season in a vacuum if it does not end in a championship, because and if it doesn't, exactly, then I think you're in right. a tough spot. That's exactly what I'm getting at because yeah. It's to interesting me, to me, like the little things that happen are, are a shame to lose that because Ohio state isn't in the, you know, isn't in the, in the college football playoff or whatever. Like if you forget yeah. that stuff and forget, you know, games where one guy just kind of took it over or JK Dobbins like did something really awesome or somebody had like four sacks or some crazy thing. Yeah. You forget that in lieu of like just hoping for national championships. I think you do lose a lot of what makes it fun to watch this sport. And, you know, again, like I go back to Kenny Guyton, but like, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff I watch college football for to to watch insane comebacks at home versus Purdue when a backup quarterback comes in with like no experience and just kicks the crap out of a crappy <laughs> like that's the stuff you want to see like that's fun and yep. and I don't want to forget like I guess my point is when we're reflecting on 2017 I don't want to forget the really great stuff that happened even though yeah. some people might go eh you know Cotton Bowl USC that's where we're at and like that, yeah but there was a lot of really fun stuff that happened along the way and I don't want to. I don't want to miss that. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation to say the least when when it comes about the expectation uh, of your sports fandom. All right, a word from our title sponsor, Bend Active, fellas. If you're like me, you're struggling to find the gifts for that Buckeye lady in your life. Check out Bend Active. Bend's locally inspired fitness and fashion apparel, sure to make your special someone smile when that package does arrive. The game day collection features officially licensed Ohio State leggings, tops, sports bras, yoga mats, a top with the they are adored with that iconic pants stripe worn by the Buckeyes. You'll see the Buckeye Leafs and the Blocko. There's also the Shelly Meyer collection, tops and bottoms, inspired by the First Lady in Ohio State football. And a portion of those proceeds go to the Urban and Shelly Meyer Fund for Cancer Research. Ben, with its empowering message to be flexible, strong, resilient, Columbus-based company with its storefront located on 1617 West Lane Avenue in Upper Arlington Shops on Lane, or you can shop at online at www.bendactive.com tell that special someone they've earned their buckeye leaves all right final segment of the program um a couple of things uh i want one thing i want to get to and then we'll do the ask us anything and that's the emory jones situation so emory jones of course 
unfairly, absolutely has been categorized as the savior of the Ohio State program. And on this show and on every show I've done in the last two years, it has been Tate Martell's fine, Dwayne Haskins is fine, but just wait till you see Emory Jones. Right. And it's not just us doing it, it's everybody. And the reason this happened is, is because we a lot of us went to Friday Night Lights and we saw the kid throw and we went, well, that's different. Um, and <laughs> I remember him with Danny Clark and Tate Martell at Friday Night Lights and he blew him away. Like he was, you just went, wow, that's something else. Um, now a lot has changed since then. This is a kid who's been committed for a very long time. Um, I don't know what's going to happen on Wednesday. Uh, I'm not sure Emory Jones knows what's going to happen on Wednesday. Ohio state already has another quarterback in the class. Mm -hmm. This is a precarious spot and whether he comes here or not, I really have no idea. We had Andrew Lind on the television today and he felt like he didn't have any idea. I think Ohio State's cooled on him as much as he's cooled on them. It's an odd spot. But the reason I want to talk about it briefly, at least off the top, is just how insane recruiting is. Because <laughs> if Emory Jones doesn't sign with Ohio State on Wednesday, there will be, and, and I do believe, based on people that I've talked to, that the coaching staff's fine with it. Yeah. If they get him, great. If they don't, great. Now, if I had told that to you in August, and you were a Buckeye fan, and you would have lost your mind. Like, if this class didn't include Emory Jones, you would say that is a failed class. He, right. at one point, was the, was the crown jewel of this excellent class that Urban's put together. And now, if they get him, fine. If they don't, fine. And that, folks, remember this. This is a 17- and 18-year-old kid, and this is the ringer he's being put through, and he's putting programs through, to be fair. Yeah. But the insanity of high school recruiting, you're seeing it first up, up close and personal with this so this Emory Jones saga, which has played out now uh, for the better part of nine months, where he won't, you know, I, I guess they want him to say, I'm absolutely a Buckeye, and he won't do it. Took four visits to Alabama. He was at Florida Friday and Saturday of this week. He's at Florida State uh, Sunday and Monday. This is the craziest thing ever, but it speaks to how nuts college football recruiting is. And I thank God I'm not Andrew Lynn because he can't possibly have a day off because <laughs> this can happen at any time. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because I think part of it is that, um, you know, Urban Meyer and, and company have built up a ton of cachet when it comes to their, you know, recruiting prowess. I think people are like, all right, well, if we don't get, you know, Emory, then I don't, you know, it's, it, they know what they're doing. They're going to probably make the right call on this. If it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Um, but I didn't, you know, like. The thing about him and the thing about all the drama that surrounds it is that ultimately, you know, he's going to some college. Like, some, he's, he's going to yeah. pick at some point. It's going to end. It's not going to be the end of the world no matter what he picks. Um, I think Ohio State is, is going to figure out, you know, whatever they need to do at that position. But one of the things I was thinking about was um, I was going back to Chantrell Henderson. Um, sure. Back during Jim Treslin and all the, you know, there was the image, there was the picture of of Jim Trestle with his shoes off and uh and at right. his house and I was like Hamley took his shoes off who how dare the Ohio State head coach deign to that at a kid's place and then like you know how Terrell Pryor's recruitment was extended and, and had all this drama behind it um I mean this is just part of the game and I don't necessarily blame Emory Jones for playing it. I think that's, you know, I think college coaches do that kind of stuff just as much as players do. And I think the players get way more heat when they, when they kind of play coy, but colleges don't, which I think is kind of messed up. Um, but 
I'm not going to cry if he doesn't come to Ohio State. I still think yeah. he's a great talent. I'm not trying to to denigrate his football playing ability at all. I think he's an incredible football player. But at a certain point, I just kind of get over it. And I'm like, you know what? It's all right. Whatever you want to do, do it. There's nothing, <laughs> right. you know, it's your decision. But I really, you know, wake me up when you commit. Because honestly, at, this, at a certain point, I don't really need to follow every visit that he takes. No. Um, I think it's interesting. And I, I think the process is extremely interesting. But... I can understand why I I guess I can kind of relate to how maybe the coaches at Ohio state are feeling where they're like, all right, kid, we've, we've made our pitch. We can only do so much and you'll pick what you're going to pick. Yeah. The weird part with him is that he's hasn't ever decommitted. Yeah. Right. Committed through the whole process. So it's weird that he hasn't like decommitted from Ohio state. So either way, you know, I hope I, I I just, I think most, hopefully most people will be respectful, whatever it is, um, whatever his decision is, but it was kind of like the absurdity of recruiting in a nutshell was, was the Emory Jones saga that has played out over the last 18 months. Uh, we have some time for some ask us anything. What do you got for us, buddy? All right. So if you guys want to send us any questions, which I definitely recommend that you do just send us a, uh, question to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or hit us up on Twitter at 11 dubcast. Uh, this one's from Brad. He says, who is the most famous non-Ohio State person you've ever met? Jeez. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Like you've, you've got a pretty good roster. to, to- <laughs> Muhammad Ali, Hank Aaron, George W. Bush, Jeb Bush. Pretty good. Um, let me think. Who else? Burt Reynolds was a highlight. Nice. I was in a wedding with Britney Spears. What? Um, How did that happen? Yeah. Wait, what was that about? Uh, she was in Mickey Mouse Club. My first cousin married her first cousin. Oh my God. That's crazy. So when I was a when I was a freshman in college, um, I was in I was in my cousin's wedding and she was in my cousin's wedding. Yeah. And um she was like 14, 14 or 15. Um, and I didn't you know, I didn't have Disney Channel. I didn't know anything about Mickey Mouse sure. Club. I didn't have any clue what it was. Um, but there was all this I remember that being like, Oh, this girl's coming and she sings or whatever. And um I remember thinking she was cute, but she was still so young. You know, and I was like 19, so she was still so young. But um, and then I remember like a year later, my dorm room uh, hit me, baby, one more time, and I went, "Oh, I know her, <laughs> I know that girl." That's insane. Um, yeah. So there is a there is a wedding pic now. My cousin and, and his wife got divorced, uh, but oh. there is a wedding picture of uh, of uh, where I am a groomsman and she is a bridesmaid. You know what? I like how you mentioned like presidents, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you know, all these other dudes, Hank Aaron. I'm like, hey, how about that Britney Spears story? I need to hear about right. that. That's, <laughs> that's really one I got to nail down here for us to to have more context. That's the real highlight is the right. Britney that's, Spears. That's pretty fantastic. That's that's a yeah. Hell of a monster. Yeah, um, I can't really compete with that, honestly. Uh, I have met I met Bob Dole uh, once. In there you Washington, go. Um, he was, they were doing an honor flight thing where they had a lot of the, you know, world war two veterans come in and see the the memorial and he was there to greet them. And, um, I just, you know, he was just chilling out. And so I walked up and, and introduced myself. Uh, I've met Sherrod Brown, the current Ohio Senator, one of the current yep. Ohio senators, uh, acting wise, I met James Earl Jones, which is pretty cool. That's pretty good. Now, how do you meet James Earl Jones? He was, he came to Ohio state to speak and he was, he wasn't really talking about acting. He was just talking about, you know, being, a, a, you know, an African-American and then his experience in the military. And it was, it was sure. a really fascinating speech. It was about, I mean, this was when I was in college. So this is about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, but he was a really interesting guy and, uh, it was just a, a, a cool evening. Um, and he was doing kind of a meet and greet afterwards. And I just went up and I shook his hand, uh, and just asked him a couple of questions. He was a really, really nice guy. Um, 
I've also cool. met the Mythbusters dudes before they blew up. They did some kind of thing at Ohio State, and I just showed up. And I was like, I don't know who the hell these guys are, but I just asked them a bunch of questions. Uh, <laughs> I think that's about it. I, I'm that's probably missing somebody. But, yeah, you know, I would say yeah, meeting Bob Dole was really cool, and, and James Earl Jones was a lot of fun as well. So those, I would say I'd put those guys up you know, pretty high up there. Um, yeah, definitely. All right, so the next one here is from Alvin. He just wants to know, pretty simple question. Who are you rooting for in the college football playoffs this year? Boy, I don't really. I guess Oklahoma. Yeah. I guess Oklahoma. Um, you know, I mean, ba- Baker Mayfield seems like kind of a punk, but I really like watching him play football. Right. Um, and I voted for him for the Heisman. And, um, you know, the rest of them, I, I have no interest in a Southern team winning again. So I have to hear about right. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, especially the SEC, which was just trash this year and got rewarded with two teams. So I guess I would go Oklahoma begrudgingly. I mean, this is really a worst case scenario almost. I mean, other than like Michigan it being and Notre Dame being in it. Although I'd rather watch that. I'd rather watch Michigan. I'm so tired of Alabama and Clemson. And, you know, I just, right. I was really hoping for, you know, some new blood in the playoff this year and uh, just didn't materialize. So I guess we're stuck with what we're stuck with. But I guess begrudgingly it would be Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't I have no interest in a Southern team winning, uh, particularly mm-hmm. one from the SEC. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the Oklahoma train. And you know what? Again, Baker Mayfield may be a punk, but I think he's also one of the most entertaining college football players yes. uh, of the past several years. So, I, yeah. you know, I, I like watching Oklahoma games just because of the crazy stuff that he's able to do. Yeah, he's spectacular. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm definitely going for Oklahoma and hopefully, you know, maybe just just not an Alabama. I just really don't want Alabama to win. No, I don't either. Especially this Alabama, Alabama team, which is just so, I mean, it's just a blah. They're yeah, not, they're not that great. They're not fun to watch. They're not, no. they're not a really good football team. So, I mean, they're great. I mean, they're good. Yeah. They're, very good yeah, they're fine, they're but they're not. Competition. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, I agree. So that's ask us anything. And, and again, guys keep sending those in. Those are really great. Yeah. Very good. All right. Next week, we will do a uh, Cotton Bowl preview show. We will uh, dig deep on uh, Ohio State and USC and get you set for that game. Until then, my friend, I will visit with you next week. Yep. Sounds good.